You ready? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I'm going to start a new series today. I'm kicking it off. It's called Do This, Not That. Do This, Not That. And uh, you may be familiar with a, a dietary system called Eat This, Not That. There are a bunch of books that have been published. Uh, it's a great idea and challenges people and focuses their attention on what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat. If we look at, you know, what we're, what we're going into this week with prayer and fasting, I want to ask you a fundamental question. I want to ask you a fundamental question, and that is, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What entertains your thoughts most of the time? What do you, what do you need? What are you always thinking about? What are you always moving towards? What are you gravitating towards in your life? What are you most hungry for? Listen, we've got so many choices in our, in our culture and in our society. We have so many choices that we've got the, the process of making decisions has wounded us as a culture. I don't know if you realize this. I was thinking about it the other day in our grocery stores. Think about what we have in our grocery stores. We have like... 175 kinds of salad dressing. In your average grocery store, you have about 175 salad dressings. People, do we need 175 salad dressings? See, you've bought the lie. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we had three networks on TV. ABC, NBC, and CBS. And if you really wanted to get wild, PBS. That's where Sesame Street was, so I knew exactly where it was, right? I grew up on the first, I was one of the first generation of Sesame Street, right? I was five years old when it came out in 1971. And there, so there was this thing, you just, that, that's what was on TV and you watched it and, it, and imagine, imagine flipping the channel three times and seeing everything. Why do we need 500 cable channels? Why do we need that? It is a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. But you all have TVs, don't you? So here's what, here's what we have to do. I want to coach you over the next few weeks about simplifying your choices and be willing to focus on some things that will make everything else in life work. Because the truth is, the truth is when you boil everything down to some really fundamental concepts, just a few things that you filter every other choice through, choices start getting easier. You've made big choices, now the secondary choices become simple. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. At the core of our hearts, I think we struggle to believe this in our culture because there are so many things that we want and we're not sure that God will actually offer them to us if we seek him first. You understand the problem there. If you want 500 channels of cable and you want to spend your life watching the garbage that comes through it and you don't think God's going to give that to you or he may actually do the reverse and ask you to give it up, you might not seek him first. 
Or you really want that job or this certain career or this raise, but somehow you're not sure you're going to get it by seeking God. You got to get it by working 90 hours a week and killing yourself and ruining your family. Wow, it got really serious in here. There's a fundamental belief that we have to decide about what, what, what choices we need to make as Christians, as believers. What are you hungry for? I got, a whole, I got two bags. I got, I got carrots. I got, this is called, this is amazing. This is called chard. Do you know what chard is? How many people do not know what chard is? You do not know what it is? Me neither. Christy, Christy bought it today and, and, and gave, she put it in this, the bag and I was like, this, what is this? Evidently, it's really good for you. You can tell by the leafy greenness of it. I don't know about that red stuff. Some people eat it all. Uh, some people just eat the green stuff. But these are, this is really good for you. That has so, so many good nutrients and vitamins inside of it. Don't take a pill. Eat the broccoli. This is so important for us to hunger for and to desire. The problem is very few people hunger for broccoli. <laughs> look, look what else she put in here. It's, like, it's nice. That's good stuff right there. Um, here's the problem. Most of us have spent too much time eating this. Twinkies, out of business, so popular, people did not want to let them go in such massive droves that they had to bring them back. Oh my gosh, these things will stay in your system for 20 years. Ruffles have ridges and they're used. They're, They're used to dip in other things that are really bad for you too. People, if, if your pizza comes in a frozen box, it's not good for you. Now, all this stuff, I mean, there's all these things. There's fries. Mmm, French fries, one of my favorites. Liquid sugar. Dr. Pepper. It's, it's, what did you, Chrissy, what did you say about it? Oh, she's not here. She was just she was like saying it's, it's, it's like its own uh, drink in, uh, in, in Texas. Actually, in Texas, they say, uh, do you want a Coke? And then you say yes, and then they say, what kind? This, there's a choice here. Here's what happens. If you look at our health industry, what you see is you have a, a group of people that are saying, Eat bean sprouts. Who wants to eat bean sprouts? And who wants to eat raw vegetables? And who wants to starve themselves? And then you got people over here. But that's, see, that's a different question than who wants to live well? Who wants to be healthy? Who wants to live a long time and feel better? I want this. The health industry is trying to promote this. But this thing is in the way, this, ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I don't want that. Ooh, this, is, uh, I, this isn't as flavorful as Twinkies. 
Somewhere in the middle is where we have to be, where we have to understand that, yes, there are, there, there's, a, there's a taste that has to be cultivated, a hunger that has to be cultivated because, here's the truth, we crave what we consume. Whatever's going in over and over again, that's what we continue to crave over and over again. We want that. And what we consume is what we become. You ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? It's true. I think the same thing happens spiritually. So as we try to focus down and drill down on things that are really good for us, I just want to highlight three points for you to just deal with fasting, all right? Fasting. Here's what it means. It's to abstain from food, to eat sparingly, and abstain from some, or abstain from some foods. Of the 16 or so references to fasting in the New Testament, roughly half speak of corporate fasts, including those that seem to indicate that it was a regular practice of the early church. As with individual fasts, corporate fasting encouraged the church to express sorrow for sin, seeking community forgiveness, concentrate on the, concentrating on the work of God, and to seek his guidance. The same thing that happens to us physically happens spiritually. We end up filling our hearts with pithy sayings and throwing up prayers when we're in need and listening to other people who've experienced God instead of experiencing him ourselves. Instead of digging in and seeking God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes we just end up going through the motions. I was talking to a pastor about this recently, and he said, I, he does conferences all over the country, he said, I always take a poll. Pastors, how much time are you spending with Jesus every day? And he said, as he calculates it out and you know, takes the poll and works on it, it's about, works out to about 15 minutes. Those are pastors he's teaching. Pastors, 15 minutes. That's, that's kind of his average poll taking. Hey, I know me. I know my own sinfulness. I know my own uh, uh, dynamics of, of, of laziness and, and lack of discipline. 15 minutes is not going to cut it for me. Here's, but he, because here's what, here's what needs to happen. Lots of us understand we're saved from sin, but the work, the work of building a relationship with Jesus that's a different thing altogether. Cultivating a hunger for Jesus, that's a different idea than just being glad that he doesn't make you pay the penalty of your sin. Do you understand that? We have a lot of Christians that are just happy that Jesus doesn't hold them responsible for their, for their sins and then they just keep sinning because that's the only place that that philosophy can go. Why should I stop sinning? Jesus forgives me every time. Paul talked about this in Romans, and in Romans 6 he says, should we sin because grace abounds in sin? No way. There's something else. It's called a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with God where he begins to consume you, and you begin to consume him, and he begins to change what you hunger for because what you're consuming is what you're going to hunger for. What you're consuming is what you're going to crave more of. And so when you start craving more of Jesus, he's the only thing in the universe that you can have more of that won't kill you. Think about it. Why do people, why do people OD on drugs? 
because they got to have a little more so the kick will be better. Why do, we, why do people develop alcoholism? Because one beer doesn't do it anymore. And suddenly you need more beers and you need to get the buzz. And you, so, so you have to go more and deeper and more and more and more and you have to get more. A little bit of money, it's <laughs> so funny. A little bit of money, so, so funny. I don't know why that struck me. <laughs> if you have a little bit of money, you think, you think, oh, I just need this much more. If I just had this much more money, it'd be fine. And then when you get there, Everything's changed, and you need to double it again. The statistics prove it out. At every level, at every income level, you want twice as much as you have. It's just the way it is. That's why it's so hard to save. People think, well, I don't have enough to save every, week, every month. Listen, you crave what you consume, the way you live, the way you act. It begins to develop a pattern. And I think we have to push the reset button sometimes on what we're hungering for. This week is an opportunity to do that. Actually, every year when we come around to the new year, it's an opportunity for all of us. We all kind of look at it, okay, I'm gonna diet better. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose more weight. Okay, I'm gonna read the Bible every day. Listen, you wanna know the secret to reading the Bible more than you did last year? Here's the secret. Don't try to catch up when you miss a day. That's the secret. Just start with the day. What happens is people start reading the Bible and then they miss and then they get to the day <laughs> that, that, that they're supposed to be on and they got 20 chapters to read and they're like, oh, I don't have time to do this. And so they just don't read any of it. And they feel so discouraged. That's the devil trying to discourage you from reading the scripture. Every day begin to read the Bible. Now I'm, now I'm just all over the map and I don't have time to give you these three points. Here's what, I, I, I'll give them to you and you can write them down and then we'll be done. We cultivate a hunger for God when we fast. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was at the, with the woman at the well and he'd been talking to her and the disciples went in to get some, into town to get some food and they came back and, and they said, here, eat some food, Jesus, you've really been traveling. And he said, I have food that you don't know anything about. Right? Think about that statement. I have food that you don't know anything about. He was talking about spiritual food. He was talking about something that God was doing in him, the, the, the being consumed by the kingdom of God that made him that made him, that caused him to have his bodily desires and appetites to be secondary to what God was trying to do. What he was doing was willing to follow whatever his father was directing him to do. Sit here and talk to this woman. I don't need to eat. Actually, this food is better than any natural food I could put in my stomach. Number two, here's what happens when you fast. You develop spiritual and physical discipline. We cultivate a hunger for God and we develop spiritual and physical discipline. Jesus said to his disciples <laughs> when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was all about to come down. Jesus was agonizing in prayer. He was asking God. This is the place where he says, God, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, then let 
let it be. Let's do this another way, but yet not my will, but your will be done. He said to his disciples, he said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I was in Mexico this last week. I was there for 48 hours. I was with Britt and Audrey Hancock and Mountain Gateway, which are some missionaries that we're, we support here at One Chapel. And I was there deep in the mountains of Mexico um, in, in little tiny villages. And I was so afraid of what we were going to eat. <laughs> because you never know what you're going to get. It's a little like a box of chocolates, only not as fun. <laughs> and you have little surprise packages that they call them. Those are tamales, and you don't know what's in them. So, you, so, you're, so you're there, and, 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 and we're, gonna ha we're having a campaign, and actually 200 people came to this campaign. 40 people got saved last week. It was amazing. It was awesome. I loved being there. We dedicated, yeah, it was awesome. It was a, we dedicated a building uh, that they're going to continue to use. It's, uh, it was really incredible. But you, you line up, and, and you get your plate, and, and you, you have to eat it all. You have to eat it all. You know Why? Because we can't let food dictate whether or not they receive the gospel message or not. In other words, if they get offended because you choose not to eat what they gave you. Now you have to be careful because as soon as you finish it, they want to give you more. But, but I, but I, I, I if, you, if you make too big of a deal, like, oh, that's really good, they're going to give you more. I have a great story that I don't have time to tell, but I'm going to anyway, because... <laughs> Just because it's fun. And I was sitting a couple years ago by uh, Britt and Jacob Hancock, and I was eating tamales, and they just kept bringing them out one after another. And these are big suckers, and I was eating them. I'd eat about five. Big, round, and, and corn, and, and tortillas, and all this. And I was eating them, and I was eating them. You got to finish. You got to finish. You just kept bringing them out. And Britt looked over at my plate, and he could see me. I was, I, I mean, I was just, I was about to pop. And I, I just wasn't used to it. And so he took, he just, he just looked around. Nobody was looking. He took my last tamale and plopped it over in Jacob's cup. <laughs> Jacob was, I think, 14, 15 at that point. And, and, and he's sitting there. And I remember the look on Jacob's face. I could just see it. He was sitting there. And he was like. <laughs> Here's the problem. The reason we gotta eat it, the reason we gotta eat it no matter what it is, if you can't figure out what it is, the reason you gotta eat it is we can't let anything get in the way of sharing the gospel with people who don't know. All right, now I want you to think about that statement and how you live and what gets in the way of sharing the gospel with people that you don't know. What preferences that you have, what choices you make this that gets in the way of you sharing the gospel message with people. It's the same issue, just different dynamics in our culture. And so we have to be willing to discipline ourselves so that nothing in our own body or our preferences or our choices will be greater than our ability to share the message of salvation with people.
Does that make sense to you? Well, you're like, well, uh, Pastor Ross, what if you were to get sick uh, if you ate something there? Well, you know what? My Bible says that believers can actually take something into their bodies that's poison and they will recover. It actually, it's, it's in the scriptures. What if I get hit with Montezuma's revenge? <laughs> yeah, it's the same as eating a Twinkie. Come on. <laughs> Could it be that I should trust God for me to get through that? Should I be that I should really trust God to get me through that and eat what is put before me so that those people can hear the message of the gospel? This is the kind of mentality that you and I have to have. And this is the mentality that we typically don't have in American culture because we're too consumed with our rights. What fasting does is it says, all right, I give up all my rights to food and to feeling the way I want to feel and I choose to give this up purposefully so that my spirit, the, the, the spirit of God that lives within me can move into being in charge. So that God's spirit, typically we have our spirit, God's spirit within us, we have our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and we have our body. And your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body always want to take over. Most people live with their minds in charge of everything. And so if it makes sense to them, they do it. If it doesn't make sense to them, they don't do it. They, can't, they don't have any room in their view of this universe for God who might ask you to do something countercultural or counterintuitive. Who, God who might ask you to do something that seems foolish on the face of it, but then it actually ends up being wise. This, this, is, this is the dynamic that we're talking about, surrendering everything to God, surrendering everything to him, and being willing to go without so that our spirits are awakened to him and our temptations and our appetites are pushed aside. It's discipline, it's spiritual and physical discipline. First Peter 4, 1 says, since Christ suffered physical pain, arm yourselves. You must arm yourself with the same attitude. Everybody say attitude. You gotta arm yourself with the same attitude that Jesus had and be ready to suffer. Here's the amazing part. Here's the amazing part. Fasting is a certain amount of suffering. It's the suffering that you put on yourself to yield everything to Christ. Now, I know some of you have dietary restrictions. Some of you have issues in your body. Your, your body's already, there's some, uh, it's, it's, uh, got some issues or, or you're sick or, or, and you have to modify your diet instead of going on a complete fast. Fine, great. I want every one of us to challenge ourselves to pray and fast during the next seven days. I prepared a little coaching sheet for you on how to do it, all right? How to deal with a normal fast, a partial fast, an absolute fast. You don't have it in your hands because I emailed it to you on Friday if you're on the email list. It's attached to the email that you got from one chapel. It's also out in the lobby on a table if you wanna pick it up. It's all, this big description about how to approach your fast this week, all right? And, and the last thing I wanna say to you, number three, I, I did it. I'm late, but I did it. Here's what fasting does. Fasting prepares you for something new. In each of the gospel passages where Jesus responds to the question, why don't your disciples fast 
like the Pharisees fast. In each of those passages, that's what Matthew 9, 14 through 17 is. In each of those passages, he tells a story about a piece of cloth being sewn onto a garment already in existence. He, in other words, there's something there that he's talking about something that's old and something that's new. He also responds with this story about putting wine or new wine into new wineskins. New wine into new wineskins instead of old wine, or sorry, instead of new wine into old wineskins. Because the old wineskins will burst because they're all brittle. You gotta put new wine into new wineskins so that it ferments correctly and the, and the, the, the wineskin will give. He tells this story in response to this question about fasting. And the first thing he says is, how can the people fast when the bridegroom is with them? When I go, then they will fast. So what fasting does is it gets us in touch with our longing for him. Think about that for a second. He said, they, they don't fast now, because how, how can you fast when the bridegroom, you don't fast during the wedding. He's like, the bridegroom is right here, but when I go, they will fast. What he's saying is, when I'm gone, there needs to be a, a, a discipline of getting in touch with your hunger for him, longing for him, refusing the comforts of this world and being willing to listen to his voice. And then I think he's saying that we must prepare ourselves for something new that God wants to do. We must prepare ourselves for something that God wants to do that he hasn't done before in our lives. And if we'll do that, if we'll prepare ourselves with prayer and fasting, I believe God will do something miraculous inside of us and in us as a church if we'll be willing to just humble ourselves. Go without one meal every day this week. Pick three days that you just want to really dig in. Pick one day. It doesn't really matter to me what you do. Avoid media. Get yourself off alone and pray. Come to the 6 a.m. prayer meetings every morning because you're sleeping in too much young people. You know the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Some of you need different results than you're getting in your life right now and it's time for you to do something drastic. Show up to a prayer meeting where we'll pray for you. Begin to put your appetites aside so that hunger for God can come alive. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm just gonna pray for you here as we end. Father, I thank you for the wisdom of the scripture. I thank you for the wisdom of your grace that's coming into our hearts even now. It's amazing how each one of us can receive from you with what's happening in our lives, our circumstances. You know exactly what's going on and you're speaking directly to every situation. Thank you for doing that here. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to give our hearts away to you, to open up our lives, to share ourselves with you, to be willing to surrender to a place of provision that only comes from you instead of ourselves, uh, willing to surrender and be disciplined to love you and to honor you by refusing 
our own creature comforts. Father, would you teach us how to do this well? Not in a way that is works-oriented, but in a way that expresses our hearts to you and says, come, Lord Jesus, take over. Do something new in me. I seek you. I pray. I prepare myself to receive something from you. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to make the simple choice of a lifestyle of knowing you, praying, fasting, and allowing you to lead us through it. Lord, I pray for every heart that is really, at this moment, realizing that they need to give over and surrender all. We repent, Lord, of our failures and our foolishness, all of our history, whatever's, whatever's brought us to this point. Lord, we know that you can rid us of it with your kindness, with your power and your life. But we repent and we respond and, and we ask you to renew us, make us new, prepare us for what you want to do. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.